All right, everybody, welcome back to Farmer's Jam Radio. I'm your host, James Carr. We are continuing with our interview series, chatting with candidates for Ag Commissioner here in Georgia. There are three Democrats running in the upcoming primary on May 24th. There are uh, candidates from other parties running as well, but they're running unopposed, so we will be catching up with them after the primary. Today, we are chatting with Fred Swan, a mushroom farmer out of Gainesville with a very unique way of growing mushrooms. We also chatted about his vision for Georgia agriculture, talked about the USDA's ongoing debt relief program for black farmers currently held up in the courts, currently stalled, uh, chatting a little bit about what he might be able to do as ag commissioner. He also shared some harrowing stories from his hometown in Gainesville, which is the capital of Georgia poultry. A lot of uh, labor abuses have been coming out of these plants in the last few years, whether that's COVID or uh, gas leaks, uh, shares some really grim details about uh, stories he's learned working in that area. And of course, he shares why he should be the next commissioner of agriculture. So with that being said, here's our interview with Fred. We will catch you on the other side. All right, everybody, welcome back to Farmers Jam Radio. We are speaking with candidate for Georgia Agriculture Commissioner, Fred Swan, excited for you to join us, Fred. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm I'm great. Thank you for having me. This is really amazing. When we're, I'm lucky enough to have met Fred. Um, you've attended at least one Farmers Jam event before. Is that right? That's right. Yes, I attended the event uh, down in Decatur. The, uh, the 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 I think the most recent one. Yes, at the Heck House. Yeah, the Heck House, that's right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we were glad to uh, have you out there. So, um, first question we have is, uh, people may or may not know, in, in Georgia, you are required to be a quote-unquote practical farmer in the state to run for ag commissioner. So, Fred, can you tell us a little bit about your farm? Yeah, sure. Um so I'm actually a, a new farmer. I uh, just really started last year, and uh, I my farm is um, out of the box farms. We grow blue oyster mushrooms uh, out of a grow room here in Gainesville. Right now, we're primarily selling to restaurants, doing the occasional farmers market, and and that sort of thing. Um, we actually use a technique that came over from uh, South Korea of bottle cultivation, where we actually use ground-up peanut hulls as a substrate and inoculate those hulls. And, you know, once they're good and saturated and ready to go, we put them in a separate grow room for for fruit, a separate fruiting room, where, um, you know, first they start upside down so that they begin to fruit uh, bud outward, downwards, and then after a couple of days, we flip them over, let the fruiting finish, and then in seven to ten days, we harvest. And my customers really th- said that we have some of the best they've had, so I hope that everybody kind of can kind of agree with that. We do feel like we have a very special process for, for our growing. 
That is very interesting. I've never uh, heard of uh, using peanuts to grow mushrooms. There are all kinds of things like straw or wood chips that I think are more common, but peanuts, that is a new one for me. Yeah, uh, and it's because we can, you know, use uh, used hulls, use shells uh, from um, more local areas, and in that way, we're kind of reducing waste. And um, then we have someone who takes those, the the used substrate, the uh, totally inoculated used substrate, as an organic fertilizer. But one of the great things is that because we can kind of control the whole process, we're reducing waste. We reuse the bottle, so it's not throwing away a bunch of bags, or or, you know, uh, with a bag inoculation. Um, It's very little water use. And um, we use um, blue and white um, LED lighting, so we actually can control our electricity as well. It's really an attempt to be as environmentally friendly as possible in our growing practices. Very interesting. Um, So... Can you tell us about your vision for Georgia agriculture? Absolutely. The motto for the campaign is agriculture for all. We have an expansive uh, vision of agriculture touching everyone's lives. Agriculture is Georgia's number one industry, but too few people really are able to truly benefit from uh, the industry as a way of life. Uh, we've seen small family farms on decline, especially black farmers who over the past century have decreased by 90%. We've seen corporate, large corporate agricultural um, operations taking over more and more of our land and more and more of market share. And we've got too many places throughout the state that are food insecure, places where you don't have ready access to fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, and fresh meats. And yet agriculture is our number one industry. I just think that's wrong. I want to see more places with more small family farms that feed into their local communities and work to eradicate food insecurity throughout the state. Uh, I want to see more uh, availability of certain cash crops, especially new ones like hemp, as as a very good cash crop where it's been really denied from folks. I want to see uh, better um, agriculture be better neighbors environmentally. And I think that while the local small farmers are definitely doing their due diligence, it's the large corporate agricultural operations and factory farms um, uh, that are and and CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, that are really doing the most havoc on our environment. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to see better workers' rights for agricultural workers, um, many of whom are undocumented, many of whom have H-2A visas, all of whom are at the mercy of their employers in ways that really allow for tons of uh, both workplace abuses, and even in some cases, human rights abuses. And I want to see a Department of Agriculture that is much stronger in terms of making making and 
um, enforcing protections for workers' rights. So you brought up two um, issues that I want to um, dig a little deeper on, but thank you for, for that overview. Um, specifically, in, and as, these are a couple of stories that uh, we have been um, covering and, and sharing with our audience uh, for the last six months. The first one being about Black Farm debt relief. The USDA made a historic admission uh, about discrimination towards black farmers. They attempted to pass some debt relief that's been held up in the courts, have so far been unable to get any kind of debt relief through Congress. Um, this is obviously going on in the federal level, but what can any, if anything, can be done through the State Department of Agriculture to support black farmers and ensure that they're not being driven out of business by um, these practices that, that, as you mentioned, have been doing that at an alarming rate? Yeah, and, you know, I'd like to take a moment and thank uh, Senator Raphael Warnock for spearheading uh, this uh, relief effort, which, yes, is being held up in courts. We're talking about uh, Section 1005 of the American Recovery Plan Act that Congress passed and Biden signed into law. And Section 1005 deals with uh, debt relief for black farmers. Uh, I absolutely agree with the political goals of Section 1005. I will say, though, that um, there were, there have been lessons to be learned from the way it was implemented because the, some of the language did, in my opinion, open it up to questions of constitutional scrutiny. Uh, for example, um, we're speaking about farmers who were unfairly denied loans by USDA. And I need, need to, be very clear on this. This is not a partisan issue. This has happened under Democratic and Republican administrations uh, of the White House under USDA for decades. This is something that cuts across our party lines, and we all need to uh, realize our culpability in, um, in, in this particular instance. So what's, gonna, what's happening, though, is that there are farmers who are would be eligible for this debt relief who themselves have never been denied a loan. And so mm. for the courts, that ends up making it where, you know, someone's getting a benefit for, for a wrong that they never received. And because we, you know, sometimes can't even know who was wrongly denied a loan, we can't be pin down or pinpoint how we can provide that debt relief. And this is essentially, it's becoming something closer to reparations, which is not, but it's not being called by that name. I'll go ahead and just say on record, I am for reparations in general. And I, I, what that looks like goes above my pay grade. But, uh, I, I actually am very much on board with the uh, legislation that's being sponsored by uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, where she wants to provide uh, relief for farmers making less than $500,000 a year. Many of the black farmers who would have benefited under Section 1005 
will benefit under this. And since they're not being specifically named, you know, as a as a you know, marginalized class, then there's no way in which there's they're going to be um, it's going to be put to some sort of constitutional question of equal protection. Um, mm. And I think that here in Georgia, we do need to provide for more programs that help um, com- people from marginalized and under-resourced communities. And I think that when we go through and try to create these programs, oh, I do want to add the bill by Senator Gillibrand is actually also has the support of Senator Warnock. So this isn't a place where she just stepped forward and pushed something out of the way. He's also in support of this of that bill as well. Um, but we need to we need to be looking at how federally this relief has been crafted and ways in which it has been challenged so that we can learn from those lessons in order to provide the kind of either debt relief or direct assistance that is not needed, but where we won't endanger those benefits to people in the future. And I think that's going to be the key thing that we're going to have to take away is kind of learning from those around us, making certain that we protect uh, all farmers, but especially those from under-resourced and marginalized communities. Something else you brought up, too, was uh, labor uh, going on in Georgia, particularly at um, poultry plants. In the last few months, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has written some uh, fairly groundbreaking reports, one uh, describing modern-day slavery that was broken up by a federal investigation. They've also been covering chemical leaks at poultry plants that have led to the deaths of several workers. what is what is the Georgia Department of Agriculture's role in preventing atrocities like this from happening? And I, I'm, I'm kind of glad you asked the question that way because right now the department does not have a lot of role in those things. Uh, those things tend to fall either under OSHA, under EPD, other under other departments, and typically. When agriculture department hears about this, they just hand it off. I actually want to expand our role, and I want to make certain that we actually have someone who is going to be looking into abuses like this. Because I'll, I'll just tell you, I'm currently living in Gainesville uh, with my family, uh, where you talking about the poultry plant accidents occurred. Uh, I've worked with uh, groups like Georgia Familias Unitas uh, here out of Gainesville, helping to provide uh, PPE to the workers, um, almost everyone I, I, I have interacted with in those plants are uh, undocumented. Many of them don't even speak English, they're Spanish speakers, and they are subject to some of the worst abuses because they are just so vulnerable as a community. I'll give you one example of, of a story that I heard out of uh, the plant that someone uh, with Georgia Familia, she just told me. She told me about a woman who was uh, cutting chicken cutlets at um, in the plant, and she's on a platform, and there's like a a platter in front of them, basically where she does her cutting. And another a man comes up and dumps chicken onto her platter, 
so she can continue cutting. And normal practice, you know, big, big bin, and she just dumps it over. Well, she takes a step back so that he can dump it and uh, catches her ankle on a chain, falls off the platform, hits her head. So she's put into one car uh, to be taken to the hospital. Not an ambulance, mind you, a car. And her husband, they're both undocumented, they both work in the plant, is put into another car. He's put into another car with his um, supervisor. And on the way to the hospital, the supervisor speaking to him in Spanish and saying, hey, uh, are you sure you want to go to the hospital? Yeah, of course. My wife is injured. I, 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 she needs medical attention. He's like, yeah, but you know when you go there, they're going to ask for your papers. And then, you know, what if she, both of you are deported, or what if she dies and you're deported? What's going to happen to your children? Now, this is the plant supervisor convincing this man not to take his wife to the hospital for fear of ICE and deportation. Well, guess what? He ends up saying, let's just go home. I'll take care of her and do the best we can. She dies at home. The plant disavows any responsibility. Oh, so she was fine when she left, and they definitely don't know of anything, any injury that came from the accident. There was no internal investigation. He will not come forward for fear of being reported to ICE. It is things like this and things like Operation Bloomin' Onion in Waycross, the atrocious human trafficking operation, which leads me to want to create a dedicated hotline in the department where people can call anonymously and report on workplace abuses in the fields and in the plants and know that, one, we will never call ICE. We are not immigration. And we will never give up anybody's name to anybody, regardless of their status, unless they want us to. And we will hand walk every single case that comes to us through every department until justice is done. I want to take a much more proactive stance from the Department of Agriculture to ensure that workers' rights are protected in the state, regardless of your uh, documentation. And that's just how I feel on the matter. Yeah, thank you for for sharing that that story. I mean, it it there are so many shocking stories like that out there and um it you know, it is despicable the way people are treated. Um and I think, you know, really goes back to your overall point about agriculture being, you know, the number one state for business and yet there are people being taken advantage of and there are people who do not have enough food and it really does point to a broken system that is only serving a select few uh, types of farmers. Um, so with all of that being said, I want to give you the, the last word. Um, why should people vote for you in the upcoming primary on May 24th to be agriculture commissioner here in the state of Georgia? You know, uh, I, I'll say it this way. To me, it all depends upon your vision, what we set up front. Our motto is agriculture for all, and we mean it. We also believe agriculture impacts everything that uh, Georgians care about. Healthcare, you cannot have proper healthcare if you don't have proper nutrition. That means we have to deal with food insecurity. Rural economic development, that's gonna start with creating more small family farms, more grocery stores and supermarkets in places they don't have them, more farmers markets and pop-up markets using agriculture as a means to revitalize our rural communities. We talk about criminal justice reform, and yet we are not really talking about where we grow many of the plants people have been over-criminalized and over-policed. 
and the ways in which we can make sure those communities are the first ones to be able to first ones in line to benefit from these from these new crops. We talk about immigration, we talk about labor, and yet no one is talking about the issues of um, agricultural workers before some big headline hit the news. But these abuses are happening daily throughout the state that nobody knows about. And if we're going to take these issues seriously, we have to take agriculture seriously. I am ready on day one to step up and fight for every single Georgian to truly benefit from Georgia's number one industry. And so I do want to just ask anybody who's interested in joining our movement, go to fredforgeorgia.com. You can go to facebook.com slash fredforgeorgia, Twitter at fredforgeorgia, Instagram, fredforgeorgia. It's all words, all one word. And together, we can make agriculture for all a reality in Georgia. All right, Fred, thank you so much for your time and uh, for sharing your vision and your hard work put into the campaign. Just want to remind everyone again, May 24th is the upcoming primary. There's still time to register. There is still time to request an absentee ballot if you're not going to be in town on primary day. We encourage you to get out there and make your voice heard. But Fred, thanks again for joining with us and best of luck in your campaign. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, thank you so much for checking out our interview with Fred Swan. Once again, the upcoming primaries on May 24th, there's still time to register to vote. There's still time to request an absentee ballot if you will not be there. This is a historic opportunity to elect a new ag commissioner because there will be a new commissioner. Gary Black, the current ag commissioner, has been elected four times. He is now running for Senate. So there will be a new ag commissioner, and we hope you make your voice heard. Farmers Jam Radio was created by Longleaf Media, produced by Cam Christian, with music by Nomad. You can catch up with the whole world of Farmers Jam at our website, www.thefarmersjam.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter, which features five or six or so ag news articles of the week. You can also buy some delicious jam. We got our strawberry lemonade farmer's jam on sale right now. This is a big year for farmer's jam, so any way you can support us is going to impact our business by leaps and bounds, and that's gonna increase our impact by leaps and bounds. Every jar we sell helps us give away fruit trees to local farmers to help us build a healthy local food ecosystem. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. Y'all stay safe out there and jam on.